Everybody glad you're here. Isn't God good? Oh my gosh, you just can't get enough. And even when we feel like we're satisfied with him, he pours on more and more and more. It's like knowing us before we were born and knowing who we would be and what we would do and how dark we would get. He sent his one and only son to take our place on the cross as our substitute to pay the penalty of our sin. And he raised Jesus from the dead. And when he did that, triggered for us great compassion, everlasting kindness, unfailing love, immeasurable mercy, superabounding grace. We get to live right now in the incomparably great power by which God raised Jesus from the dead. If you're a guest, I tend to get worked up. We're glad you're here. We believe God has arranged, orchestrated, maneuvered in your life to draw you into this place for this moment. And we're all going to begin with a little fill in the blank. Here we go. In blank we trust. What do you think? Yeah, that's easy to say. It's a catchy little phrase on every piece of paper money here in America. But is it true? I mean, for the vast majority of people, it is not true. But what about for you? Let's get a little real. Let's get personal. I mean, for you, is it more like, where'd that go? In money we trust. I mean, is that the true deal? Or is it in my politics I trust? I mean, is that where your energy, that where your thought, that where your <laughs> efforts go? In my opinions I trust. In my relationships I trust. What is it for you? What gets the best of you? What gets most of your passion? What gets the best of your energy and your attention? Here's how you can tell um, how much you trust God. You trust God on the basis of his promises. If you trust his promises, you trust in God. His promises are here. The English word promise appears a thousand times in the Bible. A scholar has investigated exhaustively and found even when the word promise doesn't appear, there are over 7,000 promises of God in his word related to our money, related to our marriages, our parenting, our emotions, our faith, every aspect of our life, 7,000 promises of God. Now, here's the deal. We only actually trust God when we fully trust in his promises. So today... I want to tell you, talk to you about what God promises to do in your life. But first, let me begin with what Jesus promises never to do. Check this out. Jesus promises never to leave you brokenhearted. You believe that? Have you ever had your heart broken and you just felt all alone? You're in Walmart. Everybody else seems to be in love. You feel like no one is suffering like you're suffering, but Jesus is there with you. Never leaves the brokenhearted. He will never reject you, knowing where you would go with your life, knowing what I would do with my life. His unfailing love is never shaken, will never reject us, never turn away from us. In fact, he promises never to leave us or forsake us. 
In other words, Jesus is promising, never going to give you up. Never gonna let you down, never gonna run around or desert you. <laughs> yeah, my apology to Rick Ashty. Um, but Jesus promises never to let you go, never to reject you, never to let you down, never to forsake you or, or leave you. Um, this is really the acid test of your relationship with God. Do you trust His promises? You see, we have a God, our God is a promise-making and promise-keeping God. Every night when my Deb and I pray and we hold hands and our little dog climbs up, puts her paws in there, and I know she's only interested in the communion bread. She has a second agenda. But when we pray, we say, God, we know. We thank you for how good you've been. It has nothing to do with us. We don't deserve what you've done through Jesus. We don't deserve what you've done in our marriage or for our children. We know you just keep your promises. All we can do is find them, read them, study them, live them. And as we live the promises of God, he's a promise maker and a promise keeper. He delivers every time. Let, let me just give you, in case you're unacquainted with the Word of God, let me give you the Bible's three fundamental facts on the promises of God. Here's fact number one. God wants you actually to build your life on His promises. Now, me, I've tried just about everything else, and nothing works. Nothing is sustainable but the promise of God. Here's what I know about my God. He delivers every time. Religion Religion wants you to build your life on a system of rules and regulations, do's and don'ts. But God, he's all about relationship, and he wants to grow the relationship by offering you his promises. And when you live his promises, he delivers in every area of your life every time. So our responsibility is to uncover the promises of God in his word for our families, for our friendships, for our finances, for our feelings even, for our faith. Here's fact number two. God makes two kinds of promises in his word. Unconditional promises. These promises are going to come to fruition no matter what. There ain't no stopping them. Take, for example, the second coming of Jesus Christ. God has promised that though Jesus came to our planet, came to earth through human birth, fully God, fully man, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, paid for our sins, rose from the dead, and has ascended, ascended back to the right hand of God. He is coming again. There's coming a day, a trumpet blast. In the twinkling of an eye, the sky will be split asunder, and there will be our Jesus seated on white stallion, fire in his eyes, and his name on his thigh. Come to claim his church and take us home forever. I mean, right now, right now, he promise, promises the super abundant life. I've come to give you life and that life super abundant. But there's coming a day when we get to go to glory and do what we love most with those we love best, all in the presence of Jesus. God also makes thousands of conditional 
promises. We have to meet a condition, and then the promise becomes reality. These promises come to reality on the basis of our belief and our obedience. Take, for instance, Romans 8, 28. God works all things together for the good. That's the promise. Here's the condition. For those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So when we meet the condition of loving him and living our lives according to his purposes, then he delivers on the promise of working all things together for the good. Conditional promises, unconditional promises. Here's fact number three. God makes all his promises for two reasons. One, to teach us to trust him in difficult times. Because our tendency, when life gets hard, our tendency is to turn to all the wrong things, to talk to our girlfriends, to turn to drugs, to turn uh, to money, to turn to work, work, work. But anything and anyone other than God fails us. When times get hard, he offers these promises, so we turn to his word, so we read his promises, we claim his promises. That's what Deb and I do every night. That's why I wanted to share this with you. We just pray the promises of God, and he delivers for us every time. It's not because we're so good. It's because he is a promise maker and a promise keeper, and he is perfect in faithfulness in delivering on his promises. Look at the word of God. It says, when I'm hurting, you hurt, I hurt, bad things happen, I find comfort in your promises that where do they lead? His promises lead to life. Everything else, the money, the relationships, the work, the benefits, ultimately it all leads to death. It never pays off except in death. But the promises of God always pay off in life. Check this out from the Word of God. God, you're my refuge, you're my shield, and your promises are my only source of hope. That's it. Nothing else is going to deliver. So every night, again, when my Deb and I pray, we pray for our adult children. Our kids are all grown and they're all married. And we pray, Lord, the only hope for their marriage is you. We, Deb and I have been married nearly 47 years. So we know, Lord, if it wasn't for you, this marriage would have been a, a shattered mess. But you are our hope. You are the only hope our kids have to have marriages that are both enduring and endearing. We claim you, God, as a promise-keeping God who will bless our children's relationships. You're the only hope they've got. Secondly, God makes his promises to us to teach us to be more like Jesus. You see, Look at the life of Jesus. Investigate the life of Jesus. Study the life of Jesus. Go home and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You don't have to read them all at one time, but begin the reading. And as you analyze Jesus, you start to see, you start to understand that he simply lived the promises of God from the time he was like 12 years old and on. He all the way, he obeyed, he claimed, he lived, he prayed the promises of God all the way to the cross. The nails suspending him helplessly on a bloodstained cross because he believed. In fact, he said, into your hands I commit my spirit. It is finished. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Why? Because he believed that on the third day God would raise him from the dead and more that God would exalt him to his own right hand, that God would give him the name above every name. 
That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess. It was all based on Jesus trusting the promises of God. You see, God sees you as his son as you believe and live his promises. Look at the word of God. God made these great and amazing, marvelous promises so that his nature, the nature of Jesus, would become part of us. It would begin to assimilate in our character. We would take, as you live and pray and believe the promises of God and receive the promises of God, you just take on the nature of Jesus. Now, um, here's another reason that God makes thousands of promises to us. The Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father, wants His children, you and I, to model His generosity. He wants us to reciprocate. He is good to us. What was the promise? Jesus, I will never, I will never leave you brokenhearted. I I will never reject you. No matter what kind of jerk you are, no matter how far you've gone, no matter what dark, I will never reject you. I will, oh, my love for you is unshakable and unfailing. And so he wants us to reciprocate with unshakable, unfailing love for him. How many parents in the room? Bunches of us, bunches of us. Some of you won't admit it. Um, But here's the deal. We love to love our children. We love to provide for our children. And there's this thing in us that deeply appreciates our children respecting and being grateful for what we've done for them. And it's only right. It's toxic or sick otherwise. In fact, as we are generous with our children... Part of our hope is that they will act in generosity uh, toward others. Here's the word of God. We all just live off God's generous bounty. This is abundance, gift after gift after gift. Every breath we draw is a gift from God. And I pray when I draw breath, Holy Spirit, fill me. God, come. Jesus, fill me. Every breath is a gift from me. Every heartbeat. We're all here absorbing the truth about God's promises because he's allowing our hearts to continue to beat. God, thank you for that last heartbeat, the next heartbeat, because I get to preach your good news. I get to be with my church family. I get to be with my friends. We get to exchange love. We get to celebrate how good you are. All we want is you. You are great, nothing else. With every beat of our heart, the clothes on our backs, the roof over our head, the vehicles that we drive. Hey, and I've driven some beaters. But God left, led me to those $500 cars, and he was with me when I drove them to the junkyard. <laughs> um, oh, here's the deal. All of us have a dark, ugly nature that is selfish, that is self-centered, Generosity breaks the back of selfishness. Look at this. Giving defeats our selfishness and our fear. Selfishness is me believing that I earned the money that paid for this shirt. That I 
worked hard for the money in my bank account. I deserve it. It's my right to it. It's mine. Keep your hands off. But that's a life from the pit of hell. Everything you have, from your breath to your clothes to your cars to your houses, everything you have is a gift to you from God. His responsibility is to lavish on you. Your responsibility is to manage well what he's given you and to reciprocate, to respond by giving back to him. But there's also that fear factor. It's not just our selfishness that makes us reticent to be generous. We are afraid that if we share out of what we have, there's not going to be enough left for me. How am I going to pay my bills if I'm generous with the Lord? But our Lord, He is the unlimited source of unending resource. God never gets to the end of how He can give to us and bless us and provide for us. We don't have to have a scarcity mentality like there's only a certain amount. No, God has a mount beyond measure, and He delivers and delivers and delivers every time. Okay. See my hair Okay, <laughs> my daughter Lovia, when she's a little girl, she came to America um, at age 10, and Deb and I were 57, and she wanted me to dye my hair black so I would look like all the other dads of 10-year-old girls and not like their grandpas come for the school conference. I said, I didn't even have a gray hair till you came. Uh, <laughs> my wife calls me her silver fox, so... You may think I look like an old gray dog, but my Debbie loves me. Um, no, my gray hair, I just want it to be evidence. I'm 69 years old. I have practiced these principles. Oh my gosh, our God is faithful. For the last 40 years, my oldest son was three. My youngest biological son was three months. Wilkie, Lovia, they weren't even on our radar yet. But from that time forward, Out of every pay period, and we were poor. When I came here, my salary was $17,000 a year. I think the poverty level is $15,000. And um, it was hard, hard, hard. But we made a priority that we give to the Lord out of every pay period, no matter what. And God has been faithful. And so I just want to share with you these principles that I have field tested in my life, in my marriage, in my parenting. And here's number one. God does good to those who are generous with him. Now, good in English, kind of a weak, sissy kind of word, goody two-shoes. In Hebrew, it's a rich, strong word. The Hebrew word for good is tov. Here's the text. Good tov will come to those who are generous. You can count on it. It's on its way. It might microwave in a moment. God might crockpot it and come over a period of time, but Tav is coming. And here's what Tav means. Tav is beauty. Tav is bounty. This is abundance. Tav is the best. When you are generous, you can know for sure God is going to deliver beauty. I mean, ugly things happen in my life. 
ugly things have happened in your life. Ugly things are going to happen in our lives. And when ugly things happen, what we know is, as I continue to be generous to the Lord, He's going to send His beauty. He makes everything beautiful in its time as we are generous with Him. He brings bounty. I can't outgive Him. There were times when my boys were little, my biological boys, um, that we couldn't afford. We were poor. We couldn't afford to give them uh, like maybe other parents did. And, but we believed that if we would give to God, God would give to our children, and he did in lavish supply. And so now i got to praise him that, that each one of our boys have jobs with benefits and, and wives and children, and, and that Lovia has a wonderful husband in her errand. And she just made straight A's the last semester at her school on the dean's list. That's God. That's, that's just God in her, God blessing her. That's good. That's the beauty of God. That's the bounty of God. That's the, that's the, the best God grants to those who are generous. Here's more from the Word of God. Generous people will be blessed. Now, again, this is kind of a weak word in our language, and we throw Somebody sneezes, and we say, God bless you. The Hebrew word is barak, and barak means adored. When you are generous with the Lord out of every pay period, his adoration falls on you. I mean, hurtful things happen in your life. That's when you need the adoration of the Lord. Struggles come, challenges come. You face daunting difficulties. That's when you need the adoration of the Lord. So it's wise to be proactive, always be generous. And then when the hard time comes, when the hurtful time comes, you just become the target of his adoration. Where'd that go? Adored, blessed with abundance. That's what Barak means. Generous people are the targets of God's abundance. Blessing. That's what I've learned for me. And in fact, this next thing I'm going to say to you probably have already gotten a hint that it is very precious. It's profound, but it is very, very important to me. I feel tested this one in my life. God promises that my children will be blessed by my generosity. Now, God has already promised that he will be good tov. When I'm generous, he will be tov to me. He will give me beauty and bounty and the best. He's already promised that he will bless me. He will adore me and anticipate that I will adore him in response, that he will bless me and anticipate that out of a portion of that blessing, I will bless him back. But he doubles down here and says, David, not only will I be good to you and bless you, if you are generous to me, here's the, if you are generous to me, I will bless your children. Now, he's not talking about my children being blessed by my generosity to them. That wasn't always possible in the Clark home. In fact, I've found that you can wreck a kid by giving them too much. God is talking about me being generous to him, and then he will be generous. I mean, with things money cannot buy, every night when we pray, my Debbie and I pray, thank you, God, for our sons. 
And thank you for Josh's Melody and for Jake's Miriam and for Wilkie's Marissa. Thank you for Lovia's Aaron. Thank you for those marriages. Bless those marriages. Those gifts you've given to our family, we praise you. You have been generous to our children. You have blessed our children with jobs and abilities and love for you. Our children are a part of the kingdom, and we praise you, Lord. You have been generous. You have blessed our children out of our generosity to you. Best thing I could do for my kids when I couldn't help them, when I couldn't give them everything, was to give God my generosity. Then God poured out his blessing and his generosity on my children. That means everything to me. I'm so grateful. I'll never get done thanking God. Here's the third thing. Oh, Scripture, I'm sorry. The godly, people who say they trust in God, worship God, love God, the godly are always, if you say, in God I trust, then that means you will always, out of every pay period, be generous, and their children will be blessed. Now, here's the third thing. God promises to bless the way you make a living, that's your paycheck, or your income, however you receive income, and the way you make a life. World of difference between you can be successful in, in, in making a living, but you are significant in the way you make a life. Making a life, that's how you get joy. Making a life, that's how you get hope. Making a life, that's how you get peace. Making a life, that's how you get all the things that money cannot buy. Here's the word of God. Honor the Lord. If you say that in God I trust, honor the Lord by giving him the first part of your income. Then... There's the condition. Here's the promise. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will overflow with the finest wine. Now, this statement was made to people living in an agricultural community. Farming was everything. And when they hear the promise that your barns will be filled, that's God's blessing on the way they made a living. But when it says that your vats will overflow with finest wine, wine was a symbol of joy. This is promising, I will bless the way you make a life. I will bless the way you make joy and hope and peace and your marriage and your friendships and all the things that money cannot buy. And so at night when my Debbie and I pray, we pray that scripture every time. Lord, make our barns overflow. Bless the way we make a living. And Lord, Make our vats brim over with the finest of joy, the finest of hope, the finest of peace. Bless the way we make a life. Here's the word of God. A generous man will prosper, and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. As I typed out that scripture on my computer this week, I thought of you. I thought of how you were sacrificially generous to children with special needs by giving all the necessary resources to build an unlimited playground where children confined to wheelchairs, struggling with braces, whatever the disability, that they have a place to play right along with all the other children, that all kids, because of this church, in this community, anybody that wants to come with any child of any ability has a place for fun and play. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. Children with special needs own the heart of God. 
And if you have refreshed children with special needs, you can anticipate that God will refresh you. It might be your marriage he refreshes. He might refresh your mind. He might refresh your emotions. He might refresh your finances. He might refresh your, your family. But God refreshes those who refresh others. Check this out from the Word of God. Give freely and spontaneously. Don't have a stingy heart. The way you handle matters like this triggers God's blessing in everything you do. In all your work, that's how you make a living, and in all your ventures, this is how you make a life. I think if I translated the Hebrew directly into the English, it would say, whatever you put your hand to, short of a golf club or a fishing pole. But other than that, um, let me show you what Jesus says. Jesus said it this way, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. You're not going to lose anything. In fact, it's going to come back, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. That's Jesus. And he could say that with all authority because he lived it. What gift did he give? He gave his life on the cross to pay for my sin and your sin. He was our substitute. On the cross, he took our place and got the punishment we deserve for our sin. And when his last breath was sighed out of his spirit, he knew that his God, his Father God, the God of heaven and earth, would raise him from the dead. And now the incomparably great power by which raised Jesus from the dead, it's ours. And so Jesus has the authority to credibly state, give, and it will return to you in full. The gift to come back and more, pressed down, shaken together, running over, and pouring into your lap. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing and thanksgiving over you because we have lived through over a year of covid and you, because of your generosity, this church has not skipped a beat. Yes. I've, I've got to thank you because I know it breaks my heart. I love the church of Jesus. And churches are closing their doors, not every week, every day. But you have sent in checks. You have given online. You've given offerings here. You've gone beyond the weekly stuff and made a place for little children with special needs, a world-class playground. I just got to thank you for loving your God and loving this church and exalting Jesus with your generosity. I just said all my prayer, but I'll pray anyway. Bow with me, please. Father, let your rich goodness, let your tov, your beauty, your bounty, the best, let it fall on these gathered here. Let it fall on our church, Lord. We need you. We are nothing apart from your tov, your goodness. And let your barak, let your bounty, let your adoration, let your immeasurable mercy and blessing fall on these gathered here as they give, Lord. Give to them a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, pouring into your life. Glorify your name, Father. Glorify your name, O promise-making, promise-keeping God. In the name of Jesus, bring blessing. In that name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wired podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.